Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Another good show this week. We are fortunate to have the co-founder of Home Depot and, more importantly for us, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank. First, let's take a look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan Novi Williams. And let's start with oh, some let's start Andy. with for the first time ever. I'm not the worst dressed person in the room. See, that's just wrong. That I mean, I, so I am always wrong. it's He's sort not. of my brand. I am always people look at me in this office and say you're one step above homeless. And I like to say I dress lower middle management. Today it's khakis with the uh, kind of what is it when the thread is coming out and it's kind of, you know, whatever on the shirt, but that's my look. But Evan today has his uh, T-shirt, shorts. I'm heading to the U.S. Open. Keep your eye out for sports business Well, see, you're sitting down. I didn't even see you in your shorts. You're sitting down. Yeah, but unlike Scott, they're not cargo uh, camo shorts. They're just so, your standard. This is the remember the Wall Street shirt. Journal story on the cargo short that, that had a life of its own? I, that's one of my favorite stories. I like that. It's very, very convenient when you can put your phone in one pocket your wallet and the other. See, Eben's not a father. He's never had to go to the park for nine hours and have a, a, a jug of water in your back pocket, wallet, phone, keys, ball of some sort. You need carry space, right? Well, yes. And as right. long as they aren't the NBA 72 short shorts, that's the, good. The, the Stocktons or the Maraviches yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Well, the Magics. Magic had some. Magic had. Oh, and then Mag- started. When Speak- you passed the ball like Magic, it didn't matter. Speaking of the NBA... You can wear whatever shoes you want, well, within reason. Yeah, the NBA is loosening its rules on sort of the colors that they're allowing on their shoes. And, Evan, where do you see this is like appealing? I mean, the players like to be fashionistas these days, but you'd have to think it would help with marketing, the, the partners would be happy. All around, I never really understood the need for the, the strict conformity. Yeah, the NBA, as part of its you know, billion-dollar deal with Nike, is making a lot of changes it's not just the shoes right there there was a lot more lesser restrictions on you know jerseys you know we saw a lot imagine more that a sponsor's unique behind yeah a big dollar you deal don't, you don't need to wear white at home anymore there, there, there's a lot of things that are happening here that are kind of loosening it up make the game more fun give give players an, an ability to express themselves personally and yeah there's going to be a lot of marketing opportunities i would have liked to see the lakers wear this the serena cat suit that like black mamba suit <laughs> that would have been awesome and well, bar's gonna wear it for halloween ugh. That's telling you, more trick than treat. <laughs> Butter yourself up. Oh, my. Uh, NFL, loosening the rules for sponsorships. Does this fall under the, like, no kidding, Evan? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, does g- this fall gamb- under the no gambling kidding? sponsorships. Yeah, the no. gambling sponsorship, gambling house sponsorships. Now, not exactly, you can't advertise the direct betting, but in your shoulder programming, teams will be able to sign deals with a casino I mean, it makes total sense in a world of sports betting where Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft have a piece of what is now a sports book. Yeah, I mean, the big question here is how much these deals will be pretty expensive. I mean, you imagine that, as we saw with Daily Fantasy, the the amount of money that these gambling companies are willing to spend at the outset to gain market share uh, is pretty hefty. Look at them using um, buzzwords. And, and because of that... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was the amount of money these teams are willing to spend to gain market and, share. And, and just I'm trying to make that's because he got up early this morning I'm to write an earnings story on Dick Sporting Goods. He's, he's, he's got it in him. <laughs> All that to say that this is going to be an advantage for teams depending on where they play. You know, the Jets and Giants can sign a deal right now uh, because there's legalized sports betting in their 
in their home market. Right. Uh, that's not true for almost every other team. Uh, and there are some teams that, you know, five or, or ten years down the line still won't be playing in a market that has legalized sports Bar question. We all know the Raiders are headed to Vegas. If I'm a gambling house, if I like, do I want the name on the stadium? What I'm going to have to pay to get my name on that stadium? What's the return on investment? What's the ROI on putting the name on that Raiders stadium? Uh, people aren't going to care. It, it, no, but does, does the company get a? I mean, most of these you think you know the name already. They're big names. Like who's gonna yeah. who's gonna pony up the dollars it's gonna take? Caesar's Stadium. See, yeah, okay. oh, yes, imagine if you could go all Roman. Oh. The Caesar oh, Coliseum. Goodell watches cool. from the big chair. Oh, perfect. The Are you not entertained? Columns. Yeah, yeah the whole thing. <laughs> Ben-Hur. <laughs> uh, Figures the- he goes back to Ben-Hur. Oh, so, I, I love it. Him. This show is so great. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady, the man can sleep on a pile of money, but he is oh, changing well. mattresses. Wow, well done. Yeah, he went what? to a cheaper one, too. Yeah. yeah like, I was yeah, surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, Brady's whole MO is this healthy lifestyle, whatever. But now he's got a new mattress in his wellness portfolio. What is it? He used to have the Simmons used Beauty Rest, right? Used to have the Simmons Beauty Rest. And that was what? That was, that was almost that was five $4, grand. $4,800. So now, now he's got a molecule. Which right? is That's a foam name? model. It's foam. Right. And it's $1,800, I think. 1900 yeah. Pajamas yeah. still the same, though. Pajamas still Pajamas the same. Pajamas are still the same. Yeah. <laughs> Ab and Novi Williams, you are gold because... He is going to stick around with Scott and I because we have the pleasure of speaking with co-founder of Home Depot and owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank. He also founded an expansion MLS franchise named Atlanta United FC, which began to play in 2017. He is the chairman of AMB Group, the parent company of the Falcons and Atlanta United. He is also the chairman of the Arthur Blank Family Foundation. Woo, Michael, he is the American businessman with so much on his resume. Arthur Blank, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. It's always uh, good to share share good news. <laughs> so we are share news, whatever kind. We're, we're yeah. two two weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Right. The Falcons open it up against the defending Super Bowl champions. Right. Uh, as as the league has been in recent years, really seems like a lightning rod for for debate. Give us, in your words, the state of the NFL heading into 2018. I think the league uh, continues to uh, progress um, in a whole variety of fronts. Um, I think um, starting, I would say, with uh, let's start with the probably the most important, one of the most important in terms of player safety. <clears throat> I think the league continues to invest in uh, new rules, uh, new equipment, uh, um, higher level of training for our officials and our players. Um, as to um, how to make sure the game, uh, while it's a very physical game, remains as safe as possible for our players, both for the short term and the long term. Um, and you know that includes a new, new uh, quote helmet rule, and which has um, you know been a, a bit of a story during this preseason. And it's a very difficult rule to be able to officiate, and it's being refined every week. And getting good input from the players and getting good input from the coaches and, and, uh, and from the referees as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that continues to be a focus of our commissioner of the league, of the owners, and, and of the NFLPA, PA being the Players Association. I think from a fan perspective, um, uh, the owners uh, across the board are, are uh, focused on how to make sure the in-stadium experience is um, is as, as rich as it could possibly be. Uh, there's no question that we've had some hit on the TV ratings. There's a lot of distractions 
And also a lot of our games, which are not being counted in the ratings, are being shown on a variety of other, other devices today. Uh, but, you know, in our, our example, one of the ways that we've dealt with that is this food and beverage pricing philosophy we put in place a year ago, which uh, we reduced our pricing on food and beverage across the board by 50%. And everybody's copying you now. Well, we have a lot of people, and that was really one, you know, one of the goals. One of the goals was not only to do the right thing for Atlanta, for our fans here, both for people that attend football games, soccer games, or concerts. We had Taylor Swift here over the weekend. She had over 100,000 people uh, coming to watch her uh, this, the weekend before, I should say that. Uh, this last weekend was Beyonce and, and uh, Jay-Z. They come one, one, one weekend after another now. But in any event, uh, you know, that's, you know, that creates uh, uh, the kind of uh, collecting place, kind of place that, you know, honors our fans and their families and tells them you can come here and eat and drink and um, have an enjoyable day and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. It uh, will we'll be priced competitively. We call it street pricing or fan-friendly pricing. Uh, same pricing as you get in um, in any place that you um, you know that you may uh, you know that you may be going ordinarily to. So that's made a huge difference. And, and, and are there other things out there that, yeah. that that you see you know norms across all of sports business that you look at and you say, hey, maybe there's a totally different way to do that. Maybe if we right. if we change this up, uh, right. everyone will follow suit when we do. Yeah, and this is yeah, and this is the example of the food and beverages is, is fits that mold exactly. Uh, we wanted to change it, as I said, for the people in our building, but we were trying to set, you know, uh, hopefully with the success, and now we can demonstrate the success and have shared that across a number of teams in the NFL and uh, other people from college ball as well. And you've got, you know, two or three teams now in the NFL that are falling in line or following suit. You've got a number of, of teams at college level that are following suit, including the, the Rose Bowl announced uh, that and we'll probably see that in terms of uh, the NBA as well. So, you know, it's not we didn't do it because of the ec- economics. We did it because we thought it was the right thing for our fans. Uh, but it's turned out to be the right thing in terms of the economics as well. So um, many fans thought it was going to be a, a one-year wonder uh, that we want to be limited to certain events, just be one year, et cetera, et cetera. But we made it clear when we announced it that we're doing this forever, and um, forever is a long time, and it's regardless of uh, what the event is or what the game may be, or whether it's a Super Bowl or whether it's an NCAA Final Four, it makes no difference. Our food and beverage pricing will maintain the same. It's the most respectful way we can be with our fans. We are chatting with Home Depot co-founder and Atlanta Falcons owner and Atlanta United owner Arthur Blank. Arthur, you mentioned health and safety. You say that's the most important thing, but this is the business of sports, and it all comes back to the dollar. We hear about the ratings. You touched on that. We hear about health and safety, uh, participation in football going down. Is there reason for concern if I'm an investor in football, or are these headwinds, as you mentioned on, on TV, across the board, and it's still a great time to own an NFL franchise? Well, I think it's a great time to own an NFL franchise or a soccer franchise, so including the one. But I would also say that uh, despite the size of the investment, particularly in the NFL, although it's growing dramatically in soccer as well, um, I, I would never encourage um, an owner to invest in one of these businesses as, a, um, as an investment per se. Um, I think you have to have a passion for the sport. You have to have a passion for the community. You have to have a 
passion, uh, probably most importantly for the fans uh, that are being asked to attend. So you're driven by doing the right things for your coaching staff, for the players, for the fans, for the people in the building, whatever building it may be. And, you know, if you do all those things, um, it, it's going to be a good investment. But I wouldn't I, – I would not encourage somebody who's going to – the first you – know, every day is going to open up the book and the book is going to read, well, how many – you know, what are the dollars attached to this, the dollars attached to this. I mean, it ends up being dollars. I get that. But you shouldn't be in professional sports, I think, primarily be driven by dollars. I think you're driven by the connection you're making to other human beings, to their lives, how you make their their lives better. Uh, in the sense of community, uh, a sense of being a distraction from whatever was on their mind, uh, and creating an opportunity to uh, not only share with their family, but to share with the family of all the people that are sitting in the building and uh, uh, have an opportunity uh, inside of you know a great venue like Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think is really special. I think at the end of the day, I give it an, an answer to I said, if, if, if your motivation, first and foremost, is not to make people happy, uh, in, a, in a broad sense of the word, then it's probably not a good investment for you in this business. You sound like Peter Goober. We loved having him on the show not long ago. It was about emotional connection. But the, and yes, you've connected right. with the audience uh, in in the soccer world. Like I said, you're drawing plus seventy thousand. Question right. for you though: Can you justify the valuations we're seeing on MLS franchises? These valuations are skyrocketing. And they're outpacing yeah. revenue growth. Is it just the promise of the future, or is it the thirst for content? Why? What is driving the well, valuation of these teams? Well, I, I think that uh, in terms of the MLS, I think when we first started to look at soccer, it was probably 15 years ago, uh, maybe 12 years ago, something like that. And the league was ranked number 22 in the world. Uh, currently, it's ranked you know either number seven or number eight in the world after the big five in Europe and a couple of teams in South America, Mexico. So uh, the league itself, the quality of the play, that is, we're talking about, has moved up really dramatically. Um, and, I, and I think that um, the owners in Major League Soccer and the leadership with the commissioner and new owners and older owners uh, see soccer as being the sport that it is, which is a global sport played in 209 countries around the world, and that uh, the growth of the game, I didn't understand why it was termed you know the beautiful game before i got into it and now i having been in it and seeing the fans and how they respond i'd say that's beautiful the quality of play the quality of the athletes on the pitch and what they can do and it's it never ceases to amaze me and uh so i think you're looking at a sport that really doesn't have any limits to it and it's a sport that frankly can be played you know in countries throughout the world without a huge financial investment um I've been to Africa and watched, you know, uh, young, you know, young boys and young girls play with a rolled-up ball of twine and a couple of couple of bowls on either side as a, as a, as a you know goalie, you know, as a net and uh, and enjoy it and play and play hard. So, uh, so it's you know it's it's that kind of um, engaging sport and I think it's a community-building sport and I think for young people. Particularly, I would say, and that's true with our, we have seven academy teams and all playing at a, at a very high level, that um, it's, it's important for our young people to be outside, to be playing, uh, to be connected in the team sport. All the values of that, I think, are important in terms of their own growth, whether or not they eventually play in you know, Major League Soccer or European Soccer, et cetera, is really secondary. But uh, you know, getting them away from some of the um, 
technology stuff that uh, has become a bit of an addiction for a lot of our young people. Uh oh, he's going to take on Fortnite bar. <laughs> Arthur <laughs> Blank taking on Fortnite. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking Fortnite, but I just, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, kids uh, and adults too, but talking about the youth of America now, need to spend more time uh, outdoors, being active, uh, working with other people, working with other young people learning leadership, learning a lot of their their own boundaries are self-imposed, and they can do more personally and do more as a team when they operate that way. And that would speak well for our country and speak well for the world. We're talking with Arthur Blank, the co-founder of Home Depot, and I'm going to shift gears to another sport that your company was very familiar with. You're talking to an old NASCAR fan. You sponsored the Tony Stewart car for many years in NASCAR. And unfortunately, it, it, the decision was made. It was time to move on. Uh, but one, will Home Depot ever get back into NASCAR? And two, what do you see as the state of the sponsorship status in NASCAR today? Um, I, I wish I could answer any of those questions with some degree of intelligence. So I'm smart enough to know when I when I you know what I know what I know what I don't know I don't. I, I, uh, the experience that we had with NASCAR that uh, we had with uh, Coach Gibbs as the owner of the team and Tony Stewart as the driver was, you know, was terrific. Um, I was uh, not at all knowledgeable about the sport when we uh, first got involved in it. Uh, we listened to a lot of our associates who were connected to it and did a fair amount of studying. I think for a number of years it worked out well. Um, Home Depot, and I don't serve on the board now, and I have a close connection with the then CEO, Frank Blake, and now Craig Manier, but um, you know, they've made that decision, and, you know, when the stock is uh, sitting at $200 a share, it's hard to argue with the decisions they're making. And so I I um, believe in them. I believe, obviously, in the uh, product they're producing in our stores across, uh, across North America. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's a good decision for them. I can't speak about where NASCAR is generally or the sponsorships, but I know that, you know, um, Sponsors love, I think, sports entertainment. They love avid fans. Um, so I think NASCAR will hopefully continue to find ways to tap into that. Arthur, one last question for you. Uh, sure. You guys hosted the MLS All-Star Game uh, yep. a couple months ago. Uh, halftime telecast, uh, you mentioned that you thought that the MLS games in your stadium are more exciting as a live product than the NFL games. Uh, it seems like kind of a sobering indictment of the NFL what can the NFL learn from from what your experience has been in the MLS? Yeah. How, how can you yeah. flip that back around? Sure. Well, I, I think let me just make it clear. I think that you know we have great and great fans throughout the National Football League. You go to stadiums throughout the league, and obviously you play all over the league. You know, in the AFL and the NFC, so we we see them all. And I would say fans generally are very very excited and, and, and enthused to be there and supportive of their home teams, et cetera. Uh, it's different than soccer because, as you all know, that the rules of the game uh, make it extremely difficult. Soccer, basically, there's very few commercials, if any, other than the 15-minute break at halftime. So you have the, you don't have the constant breaking, which the NFL has. It's done more about that by trying to bunch the commercials together so they run a longer span, but there are fewer breaks in the game. But also the way the game is played, you know, on offense, you've got a quarterback like Matt Ryan asking 72,000 people to be quiet so the signals can be heard. You don't have that in soccer. So you have all the normal, you know, breaks of the game the way it's structured. Having said that, I think that whether it be the Atlanta Falcons or other teams, I think there's a lot to be learned 
from the uh, you know from the soccer fans and the soccer franchises, particularly the ones that like ours have the kind of support. Um, these fans, the Atlanta United soccer fans, uh, they will tell you that the owner of AU is them and not me, uh, is them and not us. And uh, they feel that way. I mean, we do everything we can to support them, support the supporter groups, uh, uh, create the environment they're looking for. We've asked them everything about food and beverage and, you know, say, I mean, a- anything to do with their experience, their fan experience. We've listened to them and responded to them. Uh, so I think that, you know, on the Falcon side, uh, I think we've always done a, you know, a good job at that, but I think it could be better. Uh, so we've um, actually done some cross-pollination this year uh, between the, the marketing and in-stadium experience between the, the Falcons and Atlanta United to pick up some of the best practices that we can on the football side, uh, subject, again, as I said earlier, to the way the game is played, the rules of the game, and you know, how timeouts and timing is built into the game. I did want to hit you with this because you said you would not find players or likely would not find players for this whole anthem mess. But how did this get away from the NFL? How are we still talking about this? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons we are. But, you know, I think the players, uh, number one, I think, you know, what's happening today, most importantly, is that the NFLPA, the union, and the NFL uh, NFL league and owners are talking together about, you know, a solution that will work uh, for everybody. Uh, that's the most important thing. I think the second thing, I don't know that it really got away from the NFL, but the issues that the players, in my opinion, are raising are issues that are important to America, uh, regardless of, uh, of economics, regardless of urban rural, regardless of, of background color, diversity. I think there are just some very legitimate issues. Uh, so, you know, they they would like to make sure that, you know, uh, we as a society are focused on a lot of things, including those issues. And I think that the NFL uh, understands that message and is coupled, I think, with players now and working collaboratively both at the legal level with the Players Coalition, and I serve on that committee, and at the club level. We've got a, a 15 of our roster of 53. We have 15 players that serve on a a club-level version of the Players' Coalition, and they've told us what's important to them, and we've connected to our foundation to work alongside them, uh, to understand the issues, to be supportive. Um, And so, you know, I think there's progress being made, and the whole notion is to move from protest to progress, and I think uh, the league and clubs across the league are effectively doing that, and I think the players see that, and uh, that's why I don't think you see the number of protests that we've seen in the past. I think I think Jerry Jones might have missed that meeting, but Arthur Blank, Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> Atlanta United owner, thank you very much. Okay, thank you for being with me. Thanks, I Arthur. It. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Takeaways from speaking with Arthur Blank. You know, by the way, we have one of the best jobs in the world. We get a chance to speak to all these very cool people in the sports industry, and what I take away from talking with Arthur Blank is that, as usual, he's a down-to-earth guy like many other owners that we've met. He owns an NFL team, co-founder of Home Depot, and I just remember talking to him about the sponsorship that they had in NASCAR for many years with Tony Stewart, and uh, I'm hoping one day that they will get back into it. I I love that you go to the NASCAR. Guy owns the football team, got the MLS team drawing 70-plus thousand bars. Like, whoa, 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 Mr. Blank, (laughs) I got to ask about that NASCAR sponsorship. We're trading paint. Yeah, buddy. No, I I liked it. I liked it. I take away from from, uh, Arthur the stadium pricing. 
I'm I'm absolutely fascinated that the stadium pricing is catching on in other places and folks are lowering the concession prices, figuring it's probably better to have people come in a little bit early, even if it costs you a few bucks. I mean, and this is one of those where the concessionaire Levy, they don't care because the Falcons have guaranteed a certain payment. So they're making their money. Now it's up to anything above and beyond. Does it go back into the coffers of the Falcons? But there's an understanding that one of the major reasons people do not go, and we have this big debate all the time about in-person live versus sitting on your couch, it may not solely be about timeouts and replays. It may just be about, I don't want to pay 7 to 10 bucks for a soda. It can well, be, yeah. Yeah, it can be that simple. If I'm going to bring my two or three kids, I don't have 120 bucks to spend on a couple of burgers and some ice cream. And if we can't do it, I don't want to sit there, take my kid and say, no, 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 no. I want it to be a good time. There's a recognition that maybe that's playing a role in people staying at home. For $10, I can buy pretty much a case of soda. Yeah, absolutely. And and people are doing that. I, I think it's one of the reasons people are staying at home is simply the cost. And it's it, I know it's market-driven. You're never going to see those those prices, community pricing in New York. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen next. not going to happen next. Um, but in Atlanta, he's making it work. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. The easiest, and I know I say this, but this one I'm going to give you is easy. Okay. 50. 50? Yeah. I don't know. 50. See, easy. I'm trying to think what's going on you always say they're easy, and I never get them. It makes me feel like a moron. That's too easy. <laughs> just one of the, just one of the <laughs> things in my day that makes me it. feel like a Besides the feedback, the emails, the direct tweets. All right, what if I say 50th? 50th. What, what are we doing? What's the 50th? Wait, I know it's the 50th something. Yes. Yeah, it is a 50th. Yes. Yeah, but what, what are we talking no, about? Uh, what? Man, no. <laughs> what was? Oh, U.S. Open. Yes. Yes, 50th, 50th U.S. Open, because we had, right, Lou Sheeran, right. right, okay. Yeah. See, I got there. Yeah. <laughs> What matters is did Sashnik get there, not did he get there quickly. I got there. All right. You you got a chance to – by the way, what I wanted to say about the U.S. Home, I'm just – I'm tickled, by the way. Flushing – all the new uh, revamped uh, parts of the uh, Flushing Meadows in that area that they've done, all the expansion, the second retractable roof. But have you seen the the online camera when you're trying to watch on the computer? Have you watched it all on digital? I haven't seen the digital. It's like it's like you're watching the watching the core from the space shuttle. Wow. I'm serious. It's terrible. This this has to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna message Lou Sherry. Like this has to be changed. Okay. But anyway, got yeah. that off my chest. That was the number of the week and the number of the week right here in the studio three because Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan Novi Williams joined us for our conversation this week. You can follow him on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams and it's a good one. Say whatever you want, Scott. Nobody likes the underscore. You are listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week, and you listen to Scott Rant at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. Hey, and catch Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. That's the podcast times and days. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Big Bar, see no underscore. I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Makes sense. Thank you very much for joining us. And please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.